I'm Xander Wilson, and welcome to The Silver Bullet. This podcast is brought to you by Media and Capital Partners and features interviews with disruptors from all across the Australian business landscape. Here, we chat with startup founders, CEOs, and other business leaders to uncover what they're doing differently to their competitors and discover their silver bullet for business success. On today's episode, I'm chatting with the CEO of New Zealand-based ASX-listed company, Straker Translations, Grant Straker. Grant, thanks so much for joining me today. Um, Yeah, great to be here, Xander. So Straker Translations, just jumping straight into it, it's a company that's existed for, wow, close to 25 years, which is a a pretty remarkable achievement, especially for those out there listening to this that might be, you know, just getting started in business. Um, If you wouldn't mind, could you go back to the start and sort of just give us a bit of a rundown on how founding the company came about? Yeah, look, so we've actually only done the translation part for the last 12 years. <clears throat> so about 22 years we've, we've uh, been in business. And, and for the first 10 years, we were a, um, a software company that uh, built um, content management systems for multiple languages. So it was kind of a, a related category to um, uh, the translation side. And, and we obviously event, sort of went to that adjacency eventually. But um yeah, look, it came around because I, um, <clears throat> I had, um, I sort of left the army and then I'd sort of done some engineering and then kind of just started got me into computers a little bit, and I um, taught myself to code, and uh, people were asking me to write programs, and so I went, oh, okay, um, why are you asking me? IT guys are asking me in the in the company I was working for at the time, um, and I said, but you're the IT guy, so I thought maybe I should go on a course, and um learn how to do this properly and I went on a course and I, I sort of knew more than the instructor and it was when Java was very early days of, of, of as a programming language and um, uh, then um, they asked me if I'd come and go consulting for them because they had some big projects and so I sort of gave up my job and, and made that big switch and um, one of the yeah one of the first projects was uh, to do a big uh, redesign of the um, Tourism New Zealand website, NewZealand.com. And, and so um, that was, you know, that, that sort of had to have run in multiple languages. And then that's how we started to build the software. And that's sort of how things got rolling, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And if I guess if you go back to that at the start, what was it like initially uh, building things out, you know, moving from being an employee to an employer? Uh, what were the early experiences there that that, you know, you look back on and, and you learned from and, and those sorts of things. Yeah, I mean, I guess, um, you know, you know, one of the big things back then was, um, you know, I was, I think I was about 34, maybe 33, 34. And, and you're, you're in that category where, where you, you can give stuff a good go, right? We didn't have any kids, you know, I'd actually only just met my wife. So, um, you, you can give things a go and, and you can just go, right, well, this is what I'm going to do. And, um, yeah, I mean, you learn a lot in that first period. And, and, and I think that that's, it's a different, um, it's a different way of learning to perhaps what a lot of entrepreneurs do now. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs now are learning how to raise capital and how to do pitch decks and go into Y Combinator and, you know, they're, they're learning all this stuff. Whereas what you learned back then was, was how to make money to pay the bills. So, you know, you learn about cash flow, you learn about making, you know, just ha- how you did those sorts of things. You learn about how to find your channel when you didn't have the cloud. So it was a, 
it was a you know a tough apprenticeship if you like of of what you have to do and 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 I don't think a lot of the young entrepreneurs today are quite the same in that that you know they will go to these places how do I build a pitch deck how do I raise loads of money how do I go hard and you know, look and that's that's the environment well it was the environment it may change be changing back at the moment but um yeah so so a very different type of um environment to start a business for sure and a couple of things you mentioned there you mentioned being in the army um i just wanted to ask you know what was your previous experience in business um and and your career that that sort of shaped the way that you've come to manage this company over its lifetime uh nothing <laughs> um yeah not at all. Uh, there you go uh, i mean obviously yeah do you do it a little bit in the army i guess but um yeah, a very different type of structure for for managing people. Um, and 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 it is the hardest thing. I mean, I, I think you know people are the hardest thing to manage because people are all crazy, pretty much. And so um, you just have to, you know, th- that that's one really hard thing that you have to manage. And, and a lot of people are crazy in a really good way, and that's what makes a great company, right? And, and the odd one is crazy in a bad way, but. Um, you know, on the whole, it's 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 managing people that that can really overwhelm you, and it's a theme that I see all the time with other entrepreneurs. So, as soon as you get somebody who's got really really good people skills in your organisation, the more you can scale, and that would definitely be one big tip for me for anybody starting a business. Yeah, definitely, and obviously, in the last couple of years. We've seen a lot of businesses have to pivot and change and that sort of thing due to due to the pandemic and that sort of thing. Uh, has that impacted your business? Were you pretty flexible beforehand? Have you had to make significant changes? Um, yeah, so we were we were reasonably flexible. We we adapted pretty quickly to working from home. Um, we we had a few issues where you know just some people didn't have laptops and they had desktops and they were plugged into some router things that you know didn't work at home and the, the likes of that but but overall uh, we we adapted pretty quickly we, we were a global company right from the start anyway so we we're already already working remotely we we sort of had the right tools in place to to work globally um and and if anything for us yeah it probably drove um some demand i i think um a lot of things a lot of our customers pivoted to different ways of doing things and that drove more translation content. So, um, you know, it was very good for us. I mean, <coughs> you know, we had 80% growth in the last 12 months. So, you know, uh, in the last financial year. So it's it's been pretty good for us, I think, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and you mentioned as well that, um, you know, the, the company's been doing translations for about about 12 years or so, even though it's it's significantly older than that. How did that come about? Did you identify a gap in the market that you thought needed filling, and 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 how else did that happen? Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, we we got asked by customers because we had a platform that managed websites of multiple languages. If we could also manage the translation process, right at that time, machine translation was just starting to sort of come into into play, and and you know things like Google Translate were were, were hanging out there. So we were like, well, you know, how do you build a platform that utilizes human translators and machines together it's pretty obvious now that that's what you do but back then it, it wasn't um and and what's the best way to do that and 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 i guess we um we could see that opportunity and and more importantly 
at the time, the industry was like 30 billion or whatever it was, $35 billion industry. And, and, and 1 billion of it was technology in terms of the type of platform that we built, that we sold for to manage websites. And the other 34 billion was, was the actual service component. So rather than trying to sell a tech platform into that 1 billion, we thought, right, why don't we use our platform as a competitive advantage to to win more services work. And that's when we became sort of, you know, we went away from, from sort of Straker um, <clears throat> software into becoming Straker translations. And and we just added translations to make it really obvious as to what we did. That was. Yeah. So, so you talked there about uh, Straker being a global company. Um, you know, you've got staff in nine countries now. I just wanted to, to go back to, to, you know, that process of, of building the company and hiring staff in different countries. What was that like? What were the challenges you faced with people that, you know, you obviously weren't going to be, you know, working with day to day and seeing their faces and, and having meetings and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, look, I mean, a bit different back then, but obviously now it's really commonplace, right? Because <laughs> everybody's hiring, but uh, back then it was different. I mean, uh, one of the funniest things I think was we decided that, we, we, we reached a stage where we were operating all the way through the night trying to service customers around the world. The business had really started to take off and we were getting these jobs through sort of Google AdWords where people were just, you know, submitting jobs online and it just started to go crazy. And right through, you know, 24-7, suddenly people were, were just putting jobs into our system and we were having to, to manage them. And so we had people in New Zealand that were then staying up and, you know, trying to do a shift system to work through the night and we thought, we need to we need to to get um, an office in Europe. So I um, had a friend in Barcelona and said, "Hey, Federico, um, we want to um, actually set up an office in Barcelona. We need to hire some people." Um, we just chose Barcelona because we like it. Um, basically, we could be anywhere, and yeah, <clears throat> there's lots of people, lots of young students go there when they've finished their degrees in Europe, and they was, you know they can speak lots of languages and. So we thought, right, that's, that's a good place. Um, and um, and and I I went over. He lined up a load of people to interview, and I, I interviewed, um, you know, all young young women actually, because that was a sort of demographic that applied, you know, that liked the sort of job, and they'd all done degrees and languages or something, and they were they they they'd all come. So so anyway, I I, I go up to to Spain, and I um interview this woman and I go, okay, yep, yeah, no, it's all good. Look, I'll tell you what, um, offered offered them the jobs. I said, you can have a job, but actually you have to fly to New Zealand next week to get some training. Is that okay? So these women went, yep, these, these are all sort of early 20s, I guess. Um, uh, they, uh, and, and so they, next week, they all three of them jumped on a plane, flew down to New Zealand, and then um, they, they get stopped at New Zealand sort of um, – customs or you know immigration right and 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 immigration's like right why are you three women here you do you know each other no you know one's from poland one's from belgium one's from spain germany or so and then and then and then i'm getting rung up and my like um people trafficking from from europe right and they're all stuck at the airport <laughs> so so yeah it, eventually we yeah they all come through but it was yeah you can see how um yeah that was a a bit of a an unusual one but but that's but that's how you do for us that was just like how we operated we're like we need to do this let's get these people we need them trained 
let's just get them down here. Um, you know, get them down in New Zealand for a couple of weeks and, and they had a uh, fantastic time and, and uh, learning everything. And yeah, and then go back to Barcelona and set up the office. Yeah, and, and you've obviously continued to to expand beyond then. Obviously, one of the ch- biggest challenges in, in any business is, is building a good company culture. How how has that been doing that across you know nine different countries? It's obviously it's it's hard enough doing it just when you've got your office just you know nearby. Yeah, um, look, it, it, it has challenges. It had challenges through COVID. It has challenges as we acquire companies and things. Um, uh, overall, the, the the trick I think generally is is to make each each country or what we would call a business unit, you know, operate as an individual business for a start so that there's a sort of subculture in that area and they all know what they're doing and they're working as a team and and they can all work independently. And we had done that before COVID. So when COVID hit, we had leaders and managers and HR people in the US and in, you know, Europe who could manage all of those things and, and, and do that. And then uh, we have a um, you know a, a global uh, people and culture team, um, and they yeah they, they do a lot of um, events and we and you know we have pretty good communication so so we'll use Slack as as a primary sort of tool we use um, actually uh, uh, Facebook Workplace um, and again I didn't really want to use Facebook at all we tried a couple of different solutions but everybody knows it they all know how it works it's just yeah. And, and, and it's a good social sort of platform. So between those two tools, we've got good communication going on all the time with across teams. Um, and, um, you know, it's nice that we can travel again and we can get over and start to engage. I, I, um, I think we have, a, you know, a good social environment in the company. I think, you know, whenever we get across to, Anywhere, we, you know, we'll have good fun social events and, and get people out and about. So that helps, um, I think, build some some trust. You know, a good culture is a lot about trust. People need to trust what you say and they need to believe you. And it's when they don't quite believe what you're saying or they don't trust something that, that you get issues. So um, the more that you can socialise with people and get out and about and, and they, they, they learn to trust you, I think it, it makes a real big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And and when you look back at, you know, the company to date, I just wanted to to ask it, were there any things you did in the early days that 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 didn't quite go to plan but that you've learnt from and, and been able to use that to to succeed uh, you know, in the years that followed? Any any interesting stories or anecdotes? Oh, um Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes wrong. I mean, when you you know, when you're trying to build a company and and you're trying to do things it's 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 a number of steps that you have to go through and some of them are hard and and you know you do go down the wrong the wrong tracks i'm 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 just trying to think of a, of a, a specific example but um off the top of my head i i mean there's probably too many that <laughs> probably blocked them out but, <laughs> um, but, but yeah none i mean not too much i mean we you know we've we've continually grown ever since we started so yeah, we've we've done something right each year, and we've obviously done some things that uh, haven't been right. I mean, we we invested heavily right at the start of COVID in building out a team for for media and for um, doing you know film subtitling and stuff like that. 
Um, then of course COVID hit and, and all the studios shut down and, you know, and, and the whole world changed in a hurry and, and, and we couldn't go to all the conferences that we wanted to and stuff like that, but that was out of our control. Um, so things, and, and COVID was obviously unique for a lot of people, um, around things like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, overall we, we've made decisions and, and we've just got on with it. And, and I think we just have a, a mindset that, you know, once we've committed, we just fight our way to sort of achieve what we've set out to do. Yeah. And is that just, I guess, more about backing yourself and backing in the decisions that even if they don't pay out in the short term, that they will pay out in the long term? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And and then, I mean, ultimately what you're trying to do is is is, is pick the future, right? You, you, you're looking at a constantly moving, and, and it's not just our industry, but many industries, there's lots of things happening that that you're trying to understand how you get a commercial advantage out of them. So, you know, machine translation comes along and we've got a platform for websites and then there's humans that you've got to build out and you go, right, how does this all, you know, how, how's this going to play out in the future? And, and one of the things that we did really well when I look at that was we realized straight away that it was all going to be around collecting the data that drives the engines. It's going to be critical. So we made sure we had a platform and all the translators worked inside our platform. So we got all the data because many other people use third party tools, which were very mature third party tools and didn't have some of the bugs and things that ours had because ours were, you know, new and we were building them. This is, you know, sort of 10 years ago. Um, but we, we did realize that we had to do that because if we could collect the data, that was going to be super valuable, which we, which it shows today, we're able to train different machines and make translators go faster and it gives us a competitive advantage. So understanding, you know, take playing that long game of yet we're going to have to persist with getting our tool perfect so that we get the data and not just taking the, Hey, we could use these off the shelf and we had to fight translators who wanted to use their own tools. We had to fight customers that wanted to do it different ways. And we we're going, no, no, this is the way it works. So yeah, I mean, again, for things that go wrong, if you take that long-term view and you're right in your strategy, you, you should end up in a good place eventually. Yeah, and and you also mentioned that uh, it's a company that has continued to grow year on year. Um, what what is Straker Translations doing at the moment? You know, to push forward and keep innovating and disrupting and keep growing. Yeah, so I mean, COVID's changed the world. So the biggest change, probably for me, that it's it's done in terms of the technology landscape in our industry is changed the way that people interact with with content and process so um we are seeing that the you know there's there's a lot of and we see it in our own business but you know a lot of things like uh, microsoft teams slack zoom these sorts of super workplace apps as i don't know what quite the name is but something like that um where they um where, where people have too many apps, like they've just got too many. You, can't, you don't even know what the logins are. And you, even if you've got a password manager, <clears throat> you can't remember how to operate them. And it's, it's just a lot of process. So the more that you can work inside an, an environment that you're working in every day, and it goes back to my Facebook argument, why we use Workplace. Everybody knows Facebook, so they didn't have to read a manual. Therefore, you've just taken a load of drama out of the day for them, right? Um, and, and you achieve the results. So... Um, anything that that's, yeah, that's obvious. So I think, um, 
what what we are doing is is investing very heavily in our R and D, and we you know we spend about nine million a year in R and D, and so it's a reasonable amount. Um, very heavily into that workplace app space to to really lead lead there, so that you can manage the whole translation process through Slack or through Microsoft Teams or um, through other apps and and just connect in and make it very streamlined. Um, and while a lot of people might have just sort of lightly hooked into these sorts of platforms, you know, we're going boots and all so that, you know, our engine's almost a headless engine and these 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 are the, the ways that you interface and get everything done. Um, and, and that's the way that we're working. We're selecting tools now based on, on that ourselves. So, you know, our HR tool, I can manage everything from inside Slack. If I want to approve leave, request leave, whatever I need to do, I don't have to go into a separate tool. I can just uh, bring it up in there. And I, I think that that's going to be... Um, a significant change, and 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 if you look at the volume of uptake on particularly like Teams, Slack, Zoom, all these the, 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 these um, new apps, it, it's really significant the growth. So you're gonna you're gonna get to ninety percent of most of the world's businesses using these these apps, um, you know, using those the, those platform tools. Yeah, absolutely, and and I also understand that you know there's a fair bit happening in the translation space when it comes to to artificial intelligence. Um, what are what are the some of the interesting interesting debates that are going around at the moment, and, and how are you sort of tackling that challenge? Yeah, so so we're also building out our AI team as we start to to really invest heavily in in the um, in in our R and D. So so just as as, we, as we've grown and we've 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 done you know we've bought some companies over the last few years, you spend a lot of time and a lot of your effort in just onboarding all of that change, and <clears throat> and you don't focus as much on your external innovation it's very internally focused so it's about streamlining the process for the customers and these things now we're focusing externally and and to, to your question you know what is it that's that's happening in in the industry well i i think again ai isn't suddenly jumping leaps and bounds ahead it's it's very mature as it is what's going to drive it ahead is how you adapt it and how you build tools that start to make it um more useful across the whole process, not just like translating a phrase, but understanding which translators work better and algorithms that are, you know, understanding a lot behind all, all the other part, bits of your process. So we're plugging a lot of AI into, you know, certainly investing and plugging a lot of AI into, into those sorts of processes, selection of translators um, um, and, and, and various other aspects of, of the whole process, um, as well as just, just, speeding up the um the, the translations itself yeah absolutely um and to a question that i always finish this podcast with which is what is your silver bullet for business success and we had a bit of a chat beforehand you know just just to sort of let the listeners know you know it doesn't have to be a practice that's even specifically related to business some for some people it's a run before work every morning could be a mindset or philosophy uh but yeah if there was there was one thing you know that that has carried you through the whole way uh what would you put that down to Oh, I'm pretty optimistic. I think you need a lot of optimism. Business is pretty brutal. I, I think one of our directors once said that, you know, I, I'm not even that glass half full. You know, there'll be a few drops in the bottom and I, I think the glass half full. Like I just, you know, you, you just got to wake up and go, right, um, you know, what what crap's going to hit me today? And look, you know, I'm going to deal with it and get on with it. And, um, you know, there's a longer term brighter food so I, th I think you think long term and yeah and you just have a positive attitude and, and you know you get there in the end
Yeah, well, that's great advice for anyone listening. Anyway, Grant, thank you so much for taking the time to have the chat today. No worries. Thanks, Ender. Thank you.